Making sense of the fintech boom in Africa is just one of the things that Max Cavillier does. His day job is running a very interesting unit for the GSMA, the umbrella body for telecoms operators, and I'll let him explain that. But we're talking to him today about his very fascinating newsletter, Africa, the big deal. But first, a word from our sponsor. And in your stock market update, investors are averaging down in a bull market up from yesterday's bear market, showing volatility in the liquidity of the hedge fund's haircut, leveraging the lows, moving the margins and short-selling the spread of share market sectors while playing footsie. Fortunately, you don't need to get the stock market to get shares in the world's biggest companies like Apple, Facebook and Coca-Cola. Download Shift, the global money app from Standard Bank and get the world. Standard Bank. It can be. Shift operates under the FSP license of Standard Bank. So welcome, Max Cavoulier. This is quite a remarkable newsletter that you've started, I think, in the last year or so, um, Africa, the big deal. And the news that you put out is is really great. I got one just this week saying, um, as of February 18th, startups in Africa have already raised over $1.8 billion through 130 deals. That's really fantastic. Tell us a little bit about it. First of all, thank you very much for, for having me. It's, it's always a pleasure. Um, last time we met was in person in a pre-COVID world back in 2019. Uh, good memories there. Yes, um, in so, uh, Absolutely. Um, so yeah, you, you're right. It basically started with the, the database. Um, my friend Maxime started collecting the data back in, uh, in 2019. Um, and at the beginning, it was collecting deals over like a million dollars and then went on to collect like smaller deals as well. Uh, now, now he collects like deals over $100,000. Um, and we also got extra help with, uh, with Crescence because there's a lot of, uh, lot of activity there. But yes. the, really, the idea of collecting the deals from Maxime in the beginning was really to equip both the investors who are building their deal flow and also benchmarking themselves, to be honest. Um, but also yes. help the founders and the CEOs out there who are preparing for their first round or, or their next one. And basically, um, what, what, what the product is, if you want, is you get the updated database on the first day of the month for around $8 a month, which is very affordable and that's intentional. Yeah, indeed. But that's on the data side. But Maxime and I have been friends for forever now. And I always wanted to help him because I thought it was a very interesting project. But... I can't do what he does. I don't have his levels of patience and his levels of uh -huh. efficiency, if I can say. Uh, what yes. I like, though, and I think I do it decently well, is analyzing big sets of data and trying to extract trends and make it like digestible. So basically, we yeah. agreed at the beginning of 2021 that I'd be, that I'd be doing that. I'll just build a newsletter um, on the back of, of the data and... We know everybody's busy and everybody's getting busier and busier, actually. So really wanted to focus it on the quality over the quantity and have this very simple format every week, one graph with a paragraph yeah. with a, an audience in itself that is larger than database, obviously, because it, it works yes. as like a way to educate and as a, as a conversation starter. And today we have 4,000 subscribers. That's not a big number, but they're very engaged. We've got more than around 50% yes. open rate. So, yeah, yes. it's, a, it's a very I'm, cool project. I'm one of those very enthusiastic readers. And, it's, it's you know, it's really fantastic. I suppose part of your 
brilliance at analyzing patterns and and the and the data or the, the patterns in the data comes from your your data at the at the GSMA and you've been tracking startups and the use of mobile technology to as a great enabler for technology startups in, in not only in Africa but you know in other parts of the world yeah that's that's correct and i feel like this these two are very complementary obviously my my main activities with the the GSMA that's the hat that well I wear all day. I do. I do Africa the big deal with Maxim more like evenings and and weekends. Um, but basically, yeah, what we do in mobile for development, as you were explaining, is like we focus on basically anything that leverages digital technologies to support uh, the development of solutions that are both commercially sustainable. And this is why we work a lot with the private sector, whether mobile operators, yes. but also a lot with startups. And um, these solutions need to help address local, uh, social, economic. Uh, um, issues or climate-related challenges. And through that work, we do a lot. We do research, advocacy, uh, but we also de-risk projects on the ground. And we've actually like provided non-dilutive capital to over 100 startups in our portfolio today. Yes. And about two-thirds of them are in Africa. That's really fantastic. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's, it's not only a way of these startups being able to get off the ground with capital, but a, a massive vote of confidence, you know, that the GSMA would invest in them and, and help them out. And that's, you know, that, that takes really understanding the markets they operate in and being able to, you know, separate the wheat from the chaff. And, and that's where all your years of experience in this, to my mind, come into effect. I, I can't remember being uh, at, at any of the major conferences or events in the last I don't know how long and, and bumping into you. So you, you've certainly built up the, the reputation and the and the internal data set in your mind for how to see a good startup from a bad and to see the very real challenges that, that tech startups in Africa face. Oh, thank you very much. You're going to make me blush. <laughs> <laughs> we have to turn off the video, so I can't even see if you are. Um, but, but, but to my mind, it's it's your engagement with this topic that lets you see those patterns in the data uh, that that Maxine Bayan produces. Because, of course, you know Max uh, Max Cavulier and Maxine Bayan. I'm I'm like, why don't you confuse us all? I, I couldn't work out if they were. You just spelt your name different ways. Yeah, you'd be surprised at the number of people who still think we're one person. That's <laughs> <laughs> a it's a brilliant spoof. You had, you had me, but yeah. let's just talk about the the latest uh, graph that you've put out, which is um, in the first seven weeks of the year, from up until the eighteenth of February, startups in Africa raised over one billion dollars in one hundred and thirty plus deals. I mean, that's just fantastic. It it is incredible, um, and it's just like it, it makes you wonder how how much can it keep growing really at, at this pace. And and what's what's funny is that the news actually gets outdated very quickly uh, uh, in this in this space because we we just issued um, like three days ago the numbers for Q one altogether. So obviously it's higher than a billion, but it's already one point eight billion dollars in the first quarter of the year. This is the strongest quarter ever recorded. It's just a few million dollars of, uh, above Q3 in 2021. But if you compare Fantastic. Q1 in 2022 to Q1 in 2021, it's two and a half times the amount. If you, yeah. like, 
Think about it. The first quarter of 2022, startups in Africa have raised more money in the, than in the whole of 2020. <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, that is, that's what we call exponential growth. Absolutely. It just shows a kind of, uh, not just a, 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 an interest and a, and a rise in interest, but a, but a kind of maturing of the fintech market because there has been a lot of companies spending a lot of time getting to this point. And it hasn't happened overnight. No, no, absolutely. And I mean, the the large investments that we're seeing today, and if you look at the, um, there were 12 mega deals, so deals over $100 million uh, uh, last year in 2021. I think nine out of those were were in fintech. Um, and I think it's, uh, it's linked to two things. First is there has been, obviously, to reach this level of, hundreds of millions of dollars being raised by your company, it means that there have been previous investors who have made bets like two, three yes. years ago. So this is paying off now. But it's also like the very basic point that there's no much, there's not much you can do if you can't pay or be paid. And fintech yes. in a very broad sense, and I will, I will put in this mobile money as well, not just like the fintech startups, is really one of the key Agreed. foundation if not the key foundation of a of a digital economy um so this no, is why totally we're seeing agree. we're seeing these numbers which are i mean last year in 2021 there was more than half of the money raised that was raised by fintech startups i mean that's you know we've 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 looked into that uh, in a, in another episode with tom jackson from disrupt yeah. africa and, and i mean those numbers are just extraordinary uh, 2 billion dollars raised last year in 2021 and 1 billion of that by fintechs this is a this is mainstream you know this is this is a bona fide you know yep. business opportunity and business environment that is functioning all using mobile phones yeah absolutely <laughs> but and and i think even more if you want to zoom in even more what's interesting is that um, I mean, Disrupt Africa and, and us have different numbers because we count a little bit more broadly, but the, the trends are the same. So what you were saying, they have 2 billion, 1 billion of which is, is fintech. We track 4.4 yes. 4 billion, 2.3 billion of which is fintech. So it's roughly half as well. Okay. What's interesting yeah. to note is that two thirds of that amount is by fintech in Nigeria and South Africa alone. So it's yes, even more than yes. just fintech. It's Nigerian and South African fintech that are yes. really like driving the ecosystem. True. And I'm going to ask you the question people always ask me, which is what's the difference between Nigeria, West Africa, South, Southern Africa, and Kenya slash East Africa? In the world of fintech, I don't think they could be more different. Um, yes. I mean, you have, if you look at Kenya, you have a market that's been like with um, M-Pesa just uh, celebrated its 15 years um, this yeah. year. And it's, the, the penetration rates are, are absolutely crazy and everybody envies them that run a, a mobile money service, to be honest. So it's like, it's really the foundation of financial services there. If you look at South Africa, True. you have a, you have a, um, a quite a, a strong banking system with a, a vast number of people with bank cards, which is something that you don't yeah. see in Kenya, for instance. And now if you move at Nigeria, if you look at Nigeria, um, you have, a, again, a complete different uh, uh, setup, 
with mobile money licenses having taken a lot of time to get into the market, it's only starting now. So relying on yet other means of, of payments. And I mean, this is why you're seeing different solutions being and, and complementary solutions being developed yes. in uh, in these three parts of the continent. Yes, and I, I mean it's it's you know South Africa is differentiated by its much more robust financial services market that's been around for longer. But fascinatingly, and I'm sure you've noticed, there, there are a bunch of challenger banks that have that have grown very impressively and very quickly using very different but quite interesting business models. So there's uh, Bank Zero, Michael Jordan's, uh the chairman of it. He's you know he's the 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 um, the celebrity banker who used to be the CEO okay. of F and B, uh, and and Bank Zero is doing very well with zero banking fees and a, and a mutual banking model. So they they help you save money, but they don't lend you money. Uh, mm-hmm. Time Bank now owned by Patrice Motsepe, the richest man in the country. He's it's is is having a fantastic time. They've just done a massive deal in Southeast Asia and the Philippines or Malaysia or both, I, I forget exactly. But you know, they they they've done a very good partnership with Pick and Pay and, and Boxer, the you know, the one of the largest, if not the largest retail group in the in the country so that you can use the you know the cash points as atms um and then there's discovery bank which is built off the the discovery health business model um and mm-hmm. their vitality you know fitness now financial fitness and they're also doing really well you know they you know they're signing up people in vast amounts so it's it's fascinating to me how this model has is evolving and I, and you know in my conversations with with people about fintech in the in the last six months for this this podcast series you know what's what struck me and i'm sure you've noticed that as well is that in the past banks did everything they were these big monoliths that owned their own mainframes and you know everything was on site behind you know locked doors now everything's cloud-based their banks partner with other banking service providers it, it's a whole new world, isn't it? You know, a bank like Bank Zero is hosted on on IBM's Linux One, you know, yep. <laughs> cloud based. So it's 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 like a banking solution as a service. You just buy yep. it. It's, it's completely fascinating. And in the same way, on the on the user side, people want their bank in their pocket. They want their money available wherever wherever they are. And the the, the old model where you had to go. Um, to a bank to get cash out or even just have to queue to pay your electricity or your water bill and so on. People don't want that anymore. And I, I always find it interesting that um, Orange has like yes. quoted very often their experience with mobile money in West Africa in particular as like yeah. the inspiration behind uh, their move in France to create Orange Bank and just have a digital digital first bank in France because it's just like the type of services, the type of convenience that we're providing to customers in west africa like customers in france wanted as well it's fascinating right um clay shirky the the author uh did a talk here in south africa a few years ago and one of the things he was saying was there's a whole bunch of african technology being rolled out in the rest of the world and he name checked Mpesa and ushahidi yep. and he has another example you know a french a french uh mobile operator through its experience in a, in a in an African region or territory, takes that innovation, that digital financial technology innovation, back to its home market. You know, it's it's it used to be the other way around. 
Yeah, but now, now, yeah, we're seeing we're seeing a lot more of like reverse innovation, cross innovation, and so on. And I think the example you mentioned earlier uh, um, about people looking at like Southeast Asia, for instance, uh, for for application, this is also something we're seeing. I feel like the the old model of uh, startup starts in country A in Africa and then will build up to to have launched in 54 countries in Africa. I think that's an old model. Um, and actually yes. we're hearing from conversation with some of them are just saying like, we have started in Nigeria. We're quite, we're quite efficient there. Does it make sense for us to look at Ghana or even to look at like Kenya or is our next market actually India or Brazil or, or Indonesia? And in the same way, you're seeing businesses in those parts of the world starting to look at like South Africa, Nigeria, Kenya as very attractive markets. Well, if you know how to, how to operate in that kind of environment and, yes. and that's what your skill set is, then it makes sense to look for another environment. India's a, if you've made it in Nigeria, the, the chances of you making it in India, which is a similarly chaotic kind of market with similarly, you know, chaotic financial service rules, <laughs> you're you're fit for purpose, really. I, I joked the other day with a friend who's considering moving to Nigeria, and I told him like, if you can make it there, you'll make it anywhere. But uh, it's yeah. true, and I think it's true in the startup world as well. Yeah, very much, very much. Because, I mean, this is a, a point I've been making for years, as, as have many people, that the problems we face in Africa are the same problems faced by people all over the world, in other emerging markets and in, you know, very sophisticated markets. If we solve them here, we solve them for the rest of the world. And, and some of the things that we're doing, especially in in, in solar systems, yep. you know, financed through M-Pesa or other fintech means, those are really fantastic, you know, pay it off for a year, which is the cost of, of your paraffin or illuminating fluid or whatever fuel you use for a year. Once you've done that, which is the business model MCOPA uses, mm-hmm. you've paid it off and you can use that, you know, $200 yeah. a year for something else. Um, yeah. And you're not going to be in a room with choking, hazing smoke. Yeah, this this model of like what, what we call pay as you go, what others may call buy now, pay later and so on is, is very important because it helps um, businesses and households get access to assets um, that they otherwise yes. could could not afford. And I mean, look, look at other other economies. I mean, the US economy is based on credit um, like and. It is Indeed. it is just normal that that people in Africa also can buy things on credit, but just in a model that's more adapted to to their needs. I just wanted to add one point when you said like the problems in Africa, the problems of the rest of the world, and so on. But I do I have this feeling, and it's probably because like I'm I'm quite passionate about what's happening on on the continent. But I have the yes. feeling that what the entrepreneurs are doing in Africa is not just incremental. Um, and I've, I've heard this joke multiple times about the fact that the innovation in Silicon Valley is basically all about replacing what your mom used to do for you when you were a teenager, like filling yes. the fridge, putting meals on the table, yes. driving yes. you to soccer practice, do your laundry. Like, and this is what I call incremental. It's, it's more about comfort. You could take public transportation. You could go to the grocery store. But I feel like it's completely different in Africa. It's about really building systems. Um, and it's about like improving like value change in systems that don't work today. And this is where you add, in my opinion, so much value. 
Yeah, I agree with you. The first time I read that that anecdote was in a New York Times article about getting your, you know, the, the kind of Silicon Valley innovations were the things your mother used to do for you when a teen, you were a teenager. Um, and, and I've searched for that article for probably 10 years and I, and I haven't been able to find it. But But it is really solving real problems. That's what startups in, in Africa are doing, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it's in... It's in every field. It's in like energy, logistics and transportation. It's in retail, healthcare, education. I mean, it's, I, I feel like it's what makes innovation in Africa particularly impressive, in my opinion, is that it has to deal by design with a lot more complex environment than what you might have in the US or Europe. Yes, and particularly very good for point. B2C services, but also for B2B services. Like often you're Formal banking system isn't working great. The regulation isn't clear. Um, even, even if you're trying to just do a B2C service and have people access things through their far- smartphones, it's a much more fragmented market, generally speaking. And at the same time, you're asked to deliver an experience that's going to be as seamless, as, as simple as possible, because you also have to do the education on the, on the user side. So I just do feel exactly. that if you manage to navigate the extra complexity and deliver a service that's extra simple, like you're onto something really good. Yes. And if, and if you can do that for, you know, one, 10, a thousand, 10 million people, then you have a very scalable business. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it, it's really fascinating to me, Max, that, that you know, when, when, when you're faced with these kinds of problems, people, humanity finds ways to solve them. And, and, I, and that's what and we've had this conversation before. That's what I and, I and I know you also believe that, you know, this is the best form of innovation. This is frugal innovation. This is innovation out of necessity. It's not how can I make myself a Silicon, a Silicon Valley millionaire? It's how can I solve this very real problem? Like we have no energy in the house at night. Yep. No, absolutely. And it's, I think there's also an extra, um, an extra complexity there that, um, I mean, I'm seeing more and more startups trying to address. I mean, there's a lot of debate about the fact that a lot of the startups and that's, just not in Africa, that's, that's anywhere, are going to be targeting by design the middle class. Um, yes. They want to get to this. And I mean, depending on the country, the middle class might be anywhere between 1% and 25% maybe of your population. But the reality is that you're going you're gonna to have an issue with volume at some point. And if you want to get into a broader uh, percentage of your population, a broader reach, and therefore a broader impact, then you start hitting hurdles like you'll get women who have less access to like mobile phones and financial services than men this is a reality you have persons with disabilities who are like facing a lack of assistive tech that's that's a real issue you have the billion people who don't have a proof of id you have the people who don't have the basic literacy or the digital literacy the people who don't have the income to pay and i just feel like if you manage to like tap into this incredible opportunity and build a model that will work for people who will not jump on the new innovation and don't already have like a smartphone and a bank account and a mobile money account and everything basically, and are just adding for something incremental, then uh, uh, again, you're developing something that can have true 
uh, uh, transformational power. Absolutely. And I, I mean, the, to your point, financial freedom is the basis of, of so many other forms of freedom, isn't it? You know, they, yes. you know, many women are stuck in relationships or marriages where they're not allowed to have their own bank account or they're in countries that won't let women open bank accounts. So this is an opportunity for women to have their own digital bank account or virtual store of some kind. It's, and it's, it's rather groundbreaking. Yeah. And, and I mean, you can't, I like the fact that we're talking about gender because this is a topic I'm, I'm very passionate about. And this is yes. like the, in the first place, the reason why I joined the, the GSMA and mobile for development nearly 10 years ago was to work, uh, um, work on gender. Um, and I think if you're talking about gender, you need to also address the fact that there is a big issue in terms of funding going to um, female, female-led and female-funded startup. It's um, fantastic. And it is, it is true overall. I mean, in 2021, 93% of the funding went to male CEOs and only 7% to, to female CEOs. And something crazy like more than 80% of the funding went to funding teams that didn't have a, that they were either one man or a team of men yeah. with no woman in there. Um, and if you look at those numbers, actually, for fintech, if we go back on the, on the topic of fintech, they're even worse. Um, I think yes. you get to 96 or 97% of the funding going to male CEOs. Um, and I, for me, this is, this is also, it is systemic, obviously. You can't blame one player for, for this overall problem, but that's, that's also something that needs to be, needs to be solved. Um, if you want to really be developing solutions and products and services that are like going to be addressing uh, um, yeah. the whole population. Max, I just have to say thank you. This has been a really great interview ranging across a, a, a range of subjects uh, and fantastic to have your insights and, and please keep up the good work. Thanks a lot for, for having me and I hope to see you in person again, maybe in Kigali. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully so. Thank you very much to Max Cavulier, who publishes Africa, The Big Deal, in his uh, spare time, apart from his day job, supporting startups and innovation and women in Africa uh, for the GSMA. My name is Toby Shapchak. Thank you for listening to T2S2. Our executive producer is Sally Hudson, our director of audio is Hans Baumgarten. And please like us or comment or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help. Thank you and goodbye. And in your stock market update, investors are averaging down in a bull market up from yesterday's bear market, showing volatility in the liquidity of the hedge fund's haircut, leveraging the lows, moving the margins and short-selling the spread of share market sectors while playing footsie. Fortunately, you don't need to get the stock market to get shares in the world's biggest companies like Apple, Facebook and Coca-Cola. Download Shift, the global money app from Standard Bank and get the world. Standard Bank, it can be. Shift operates under the FSP license of Standard Bank.